Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. JP Aaron Sibia will join us uh, coming up in the second segment of the hour. Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. First, though, epic rants and NFL lawsuits. Uh, that leads the headlines today. We'll get into uh, details that are surfacing today uh, about Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Los Angeles Rams, going head-to-head with ownership like Jerry Jones in Dallas. Uh, details on that in just a moment. First, what an epic rant from Mike Tomlin, head coach of the Steelers, uh, when asked about uh, his interest in being named for the USC job. Um, and this is reported by, I believe, Carson Palmer went on Dan Patrick. Yeah, it was Carson Palmer. And, and, and mentioned Mike Tomlin's name. And Tomlin, in, uh, as definitive as you can deny a report, goes on uh, with, uh, with the media yesterday ahead of practice and says, guys, I don't have time for this speculation. Why would I want to coach college football? Why would I have any interest in coaching college football when I am one of 32 coaches right now. Now, he he correctly mentioned the coaches that are making a ton of money. He mentioned Andy Reid, and he mentioned Sean Payton. He didn't mention guys like Mike Vrabel who are making $3 million a year. And meanwhile, some of these college coaches are making upwards of $8, $9, million, $12 million a season to coach in college. Mike, that might be why you want to go to college and be a head coach. Um, he's one of the highest paid as well, and rightfully so. He's one of the best. But the the definitive, I'm not coaching, period, get up and walk away, that is either the best non-denial, non-denial lie that I've ever seen, or that is exactly how you handle a question and speculation like this. Yeah, I said this season. to John McClain yesterday. I, I thought it was, you know, he, he referred to Nick Saban, you know, very staunchly saying it. Uh, at Miami, but it was very good. He said no booster has a check big enough and never say never, but never. Um, you know, also he's coming from a place working for the most patient owners in professional sports, the Rooney yes, family, yes. who've had three coaches over an incredibly long span of time. Um, and he's also very successful. It's not just about patience. He has been great. Right. Like this will, They're in the playoffs every year. This is going to be the first time they're not in a long time if things don't don't come together, which they probably won't. Um, yeah. And they'll be just fine with that. And there'll be some resetting. Probably this will be it for Ben Roethlisberger. And they'll go out and draft their next quarterback or, or make a deal. And they'll be fine with that. It's a great place to work. It's a city that loves that team. He gets some flack. But every NFL coach gets, gets some flack. Who is Carson Palmer talking to? Carson Palmer's on some kind of committee. There now he shouldn't so in be that on committee, Dan Patrick. They just threw out the name. Hey, we should call Mike Tomlin. He shouldn't be on with Dan Patrick talking about it. Dan Patrick, I didn't hear the interview, but I heard the interview summarized. And Carson Palmer said something like, "Well, there are a number of front runners 
And Dan Patrick said, no, by definition, there is only one front runner. Uh, but Palmer was, you know, throwing out the names, all the names that we've talking about, talked about. And, um, and then the Tomlin one was the big surprise. He was like, don't be surprised if, you know, the, 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 the surprising name is Mike Tomlin or something like that. Um, so Carson Palmer just got himself a lesser seat at the table by spilling the beans. But it doesn't surprise anyone when James Franklin's name comes no. up for all these jobs because James Franklin just fired Trace Armstrong this year and hired Jimmy Sexton. He flirted with Tennessee a year ago. He wants out. He wants to, he wants to well, feel the love again. He doesn't feel like he's getting enough love at Penn State. He's about to blow up, too. That he's not uh, been uh, embraced I, enough I, also. The way he's answered the questions, I think, has been very professional. I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to give Jimmy Frank, James Franklin some credit because going and watching his presser, where he mistakenly said, I'm only focused on Illinois, he said yeah. that this week when they just lost to Illinois. He's still focused. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Your fan base is uh, only He's trying to come up with two-point plays. And he's all about 1-0, and oh, and, and he's pointing out, hey, I, I want to do right by the people who are expecting me to do this job, and I'm not here to talk about anything other than being the head coach at Penn State. And like, He's saying all the right things. But when there's no dismissal... Right, yeah. And it, if you want to dismiss something, you go on a rant like Tomlin. You say, you never say never, but never. Period. Point blank. Because he knows he's, he wants to go. I mean, I, that, that, every answer... that and There's no way around that. If you don't go the Mike Tomlin route and you're emphatic, then it's going to sound like you, you want yeah, out. Leaving. And even his, you know, there was a question about, are you fully committed to Penn State in this program? And I think that James Franklin said, there's no questioning my, if you, if you know me, there's no question my commitment these past eight years. You know, basically, right. yeah, I've been fully committed. I need commitment from Penn State. I need this. I need that. Um, it's, it's also I, uh, something else that I found interesting with the whole Penn State situation He's been requesting more money for newer facilities and more money for assistant coaches. And it was a split vote with the board on whether or not to give him that money. And one of the dissenting votes was Jay Paterno. Well, that's no Which sense. is awkward. And the whole that Paterno is. legacy and all of that, he's never really been fully embraced uh, by Penn State since he's been there. So I understand wanting options. I understand you know, the attraction of, of the USC job if, if you're James Franklin. But no, I, I love Mike Tomlin. But I, I just keep going back to, if you're Carson Palmer, you got to be smart enough to not say Mike Tomlin as that is a total flyer. I just made no sense. Well, imagine I saw if that he was actually in it. Like, the, then you're blowing, why would, you, why would you reveal that big secret? Yeah, if you just know you're You'd not You'd be screwing it. everybody. James Franklin, does he have wanderlust? Like, uh, he's been there eight years, so that's a long time. USC isn't necessarily a better job than Penn State. I mean, it's sunnier. It's, it's more Hollywood. That's more well, James He's from Franklin. Pennsylvania, too. Yeah. And, uh, but, I mean, you're talking about these improvements he wants. He's going to need those at USC, too. Um, it's not a better conference. Uh, hasn't had better recent success. If LSU, I could understand jumping in a second. But USC strikes me as just it's a good question. I mean, change I, for change's sake. And if he went to USC and did about the same as he's doing at Penn State, I wouldn't be surprised to see him leaving another five years for the next shiny object. Well, that's what I mean. For the most part, coaches are bouncing around every five years anyway because they're fired. Right. But, but so, once I, you I, reach a certain level, I think with him, if you're at Penn State, USC, how many jobs are appealing? anymore yeah but I, I think with him it's it gets to a point where it's on to the next challenge and I know that sounds terrible but 
There are I mean, some guys who are just like that. I, I think so. I, I think it's appealing uh, and, to, and I think you know, you about, have a, a stage in your career where you're like, if I'm going to do this. And we want to be wanted. We've talked about that. He likes to be wanted. Yes. He likes to, likes, loves love, like most people, wants to be loved wherever he goes. And you don't New fire love. your agent and hire Jimmy Sexton unless you're making a play to try to get seven, eight, nine million dollars somewhere and go, be, that'll be it. You know, go coach USC for eight years, match your career at, at Penn State or 10 years or whatever, and you're probably thinking this is going to be the end of my, my career as a coach. I'm curious if, if it will be or if there'll be another shiny object for him. Now, I, I just I love Mike Tomlin uh, with the way he went about it. I also love the fact that when he got done with his rant and said, you know, you're not asking Sean Payton and Andy Reid about this. Why don't you ask them about this in their press conference? <laughs> just don't ask me the same reason because I'm an NFL coach. I've done this for a long well, the, time. I'm staying in the NFL. You follow up with what? And then, any other questions? And then just silence. All right, thank you guys. Like, no other follow-ups after that rant. They got up and left. Well, that's a very good well, comparison because they won the same amount silent. of Super Bowls Based as Based on the has. presser I watched, he got up and stood up and left uh, yeah, but from he, the press conference. He first said, is there any questions about anything else or any questions about, you know, why these guys uh, aren't getting it? And then it was just, well, the, the question about why they're not getting it, are you saying that they're – they're being reported to be interested in the job, that they're going to be offered the job, Mike. Uh, and I would also say to yeah, your, right. your comment, to why Palmer. would you want a coach in college? There Money. are currently 37 head coaches in college football who make more per year than 10 NFL head coaches right now. That's all that needs to be said. The big donors, when you dare them, to come out with the pocketbooks, they do it in college. Well, I think NFL his, owners aren't doing what it. What he's saying is implied there. Why would I want to go sit in living rooms and recruit people? And that's the attitude of most NFL coaches. It, it, they are completely different jobs. And in the NFL, outside of the season, you actually do get to have a life. And in college, you do not. It's a, it's a younger man's game for the most part now, and it's not a fun life. Eli Drinkwitz makes more than Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's but, amazing. That's all you need to know about money in college football. That's why coaches want to coach in college football. Yeah, that's crazy. I also thought the way he talked about college football in that, which was very demeaning. Why would I ever go coach in college? I'm thinking, I really hope it works out with Pittsburgh. <laughs> because you may <laughs> get fired fun. one day and you're still going to be a relatively young man and think, he'll get man, I'd really job. like that USC job. No, he'll get it. <laughs> Once he, James he was, Franklin gets fired for, he's like, you know, I'd, I'd really like that job. He was planting his flag. He's an NFL guy. There are lots of guys who are NFL guys who don't drift into college when things Chad, go uh, badly for them. Dave, could also Dave be Clawson makes more than Kevin Stefanski. You want me keep going here? It's crazy. Um, Justin Fuente. <laughs> Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech makes more than Mike Vrabel. He's about to make even more because he's going to get Vrabel, fired. Mike Vrabel, by the way, uh, who I think you guys agree is going to get a contract extension in the spring is going to move up on that financial. Dino place. Babers makes more than Brian Flores. <laughs> well, Brian Flores is not doing a lot to it, earn a lot of he's money. He's the head coach right of the now. Miami Dolphins. It's amazing, though, that you just brought up two guys that are about to make even more because they're about to get fired. <laughs> like Dino Babers yes. versus Justin Fuente. That was a loser, a loser gets fired game, and Dino Babers <laughs> won a close one for Syracuse over Virginia Tech. And I'm thinking, oh, now Fuente's out. So it's just a few more weeks until Dino Babers is probably going to get fired. It's an interesting dynamic too, Hut, because there are only 32 jobs, right? Brett so Bielema. you could be really good. Brett Bielema <laughs> makes more game. than Mike McCarthy. This is an amazing game. The you head can, coach of the Dallas Cowboys. You can be really Cowboys good. Won a Super Bowl. You could be really this dude good. Couldn't, he couldn't score from the three 
Well, running the football, what, eight consecutive times against Penn State's defense. Brett Bielema just insulted his entire roster by saying there wasn't a single offensive lineman recruited by the previous staff. <laughs> and Mike McCarthy. Mark trotting offensive linemen out every week, and he makes more than a Super Bowl champion. And Mike McCarthy's rolling out Austin Powers motivational movie <laughs> stuff during training camp. It's but, also, there's no, there's no doubt, it is a better gig in terms of time commitment to be an NFL oh, coach. For sure. But also, outside of luring an Urban Meyer who's got the resume, it, guys want these jobs so badly, you don't have to dangle a lot of money in, in front of them until they have success in your building. Yeah, right? but Ur- you're luring Urban Meyer and you're making him the second highest paid coach in the league. I know. It's gotta He's be paid pretty, $12 million a year. It's got to be pretty offensive to a guy like Vrabel, because we've got the context here, who's had a pretty decent success pulling off wins like these last two weeks, thinking, you know. It, oh, it, I should note that salaries of David Culley, Matt Nagy, Sean McDermott, Brandon Staley, Dan Campbell, Nick Sirianni, and Arthur Smith are unknown. <laughs> yeah, but that, none of them are big. So maybe they make more than no. Shane Beamer, is what you're saying. <laughs> maybe. Just no, maybe no. they make more you than want Shane Beamer. Paid coaches? Arthur Smith's doing fine, but he's not getting paid a lot by Arthur Blank. Uh, Sean Payton makes 9.8. Gruden was making 10. We knew that. <laughs> um, Pete Carroll, 11. Urban Meyer, 12. Bill Belichick, 12. Urban Meyer making almost as much as Bill Belichick. That I think Hutton shows you how the stumbled weird upon is a great market. game show for this, this is a game. game. This is Who like makes a- more? And we just put middling college coach versus NFL head well, coach, and we I, ask people to guess. Who makes more, Paul? Mike Vrabel or, uh, let me say, uh, Luke Fickle? Two friends. Who do you think, on, uh, according to USA Today, non- who makes more? Power five, about to be a power who five. Who makes more annual coach. salary as know, a head coach? Cincinnati paying more than $3 million to its head coach? I got to think it's Vrabel. I think it's Fickle because Fickle turned down Michigan State and other opportunities. And I guarantee you he re-upped at Cincinnati. All right, you've convinced me. It's Fickle. Luke Fickle, 3.4. Yes. Vrabel's 3. three, three according two. to the report, 3. For the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Boy, How I hope Fickle holds Cincinnati... that over his head when they get together Who and drink. makes more, Cincinnati Chad? Bearcats head coach or Cincinnati Bengals head coach? Who What's makes the more, there? Jimmy Lake at Washington oh, or Mike Vrabel? Oh, it's got – I mean, come on. Jimmy Lake is in year 2. 12. Yeah, he, he took over for Chris Peterson. I'm going to guess Vrabel on this one. Uh, according to USA 2. Today, 8. Jimmy Lake, uh, he makes 3.04, oh, so $4,000 more. Just $40,000 more. This is our best game since... What if he went to the negotiating table and said, I want to make more than Vrabel? <laughs> 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 All right, we'll throw you 40... We've got the Husky Fund right, here, one more. we can give you 40000 more. more than Who Vrabel. makes more, Vrabel or David Cutcliffe? Oh, my gosh. Head Duke, coach at Duke. Duke's got a lot of I'm going to say, He's I'll pre- tell you this. I Cutcliffe know that, has got to have gotten a couple raises. I know that Cutcliffe <laughs> makes more in some sort <laughs> of Iron camp. Duke slush fund that I've heard about, where it's called the Iron Duke oh, so Club. I, I, I'm going Cutcliffe. I'm certainly not counting the slush funds Un, here. Under the table, he's making more, but I'm going to say he makes more uh, over the table also. Cutcliffe. Brable. Brable makes more. Hey, Mike won one. Hey, this is our best game. But again, there's no Iron Duke of the Titans. He's still making more under the table. This is our best Brady. game since Croom or who, who was it? Conzo or Conzo or Croom. Famous game where we matched up the voices of the Titans running back coach and the Vols head basketball coach. Both very, very deep voices. It was hard to I can do this game. all. I would love to play this, this game all day. Who makes game. more? And Hutton just goes down the list.
Very well done by you. And what is the? Di- I would love to know. Well, the difference. It's it's it's. Uh, we'll have Ellie look it up and find it for us. It's Mike Zach Tomlin Taylor, gave me the idea. Cincinnati Bengals head coach versus Cincinnati Bearcats head coach. I want to know the difference between Zach Taylor and Luke. Oh, Zach Taylor makes the least of anybody that we're talking about. Is Zach Taylor makes nine hundred thousand dollars. No. Who makes more, Zach Taylor or Mike Vrabel? Oh, Mike Vrabel. It's got to be Mike Vrabel. According to USA Today, Mike, uh, Zach Taylor makes four point five million. Are a you year. so he serious? He makes more than Fickle. That's a he huge touched, stunner. He, he touched the Garmin of McVeigh. Yes, that's that's yes. worth a million and a half. What I can't if, believe that he makes that much money. What if Zach Taylor used the oh, fickle money the to he get should. more? No, but Cincinnati pays nothing. Traditionally well, the response very should be, cheap, I can't, and there was no I, demand for the Zach Taylor. The response should be, I can't believe Mike Vrabel makes so little compared to these guys. That's the response. They got a steal with Mike Vrabel. Amy did some good negotiating there. Oh, yeah, oh. Who, who's cheap again? Titans or Bengals? <laughs> well, uh, Mike Vrabel signed the dotted line. More power to him. Should have been spending that money uh, on pass rushers the last three years. I still contend Zach Taylor went in and saw Fickle's contract said, no, I'm making more than the, co- the college coach. Some of these names are just crazy, crazy money in college. That, that's why you go, Mike. That's why you go. Is it also, it's, uh, this is maybe very unfair of me, but when I hear that Joe Don't Brady is not going to leave being the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers to be the head coach at LSU and possibly make $8 million a year, I think beta. Well, it's easy for him to turn down a job he's not he's eighth on the list for. Oh, he is not eighth on the list. They would love Joe Brady uh, to come back to LSU. It is the it is the exact equivalent of Auburn bringing it back Gus Malzahn to win a national title or to JP Aaron Sibia is coming up. Uh, how much are the Braves making this uh, this series? A lot Jack? more than all of those. People. We know they're raking. How much are they making? Uh, these guys, a hell of a lot more than Mike Vrabel. That's for sure. <laughs> Probably more than Jimmy Lake also, which would surprise many. <laughs> JP here and Sivia next on Outkick 360. That was terrific. Rolling on from 6th and Peabody, JP here and Sivia likes us so much. He joined us last week in person outside. We were spread out. You know, it was great. Plenty of arm room. I can kick back and relax. Yesterday by Zoom, and he said, you know what? I'd rather be in studio sitting arm to arm next to Hutton and, and PK. JP here in Sibia, time to uh, preview game two of the World Series tonight. Uh, also review what we saw last night between the Braves and Astros. 6-2 win for Atlanta, taking a 1-0 series lead in the World Series. JP, good to see you, man. Good to see you guys a little closer. It's we are, right. we are a little closer, but I enjoy it. I mean, I'm down the street. <laughs> um, tell me your thoughts on the first three innings and really just leading off with Solaire's homer. Did you think at that point, okay, Atlanta's still going to come out just as hot as they were in the NLCS. Yeah, I mean, you, you start to think, and you, and you really think about it with Soler, who has been out. You know, he goes on the COVID IL, comes back, and then all of a sudden does what he does. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it kind of like locks you up because you think about it. It just seems like the Braves have a little bit of magic uh, on that team. And like I said, with Jorge Soler being out, comes back, does what he does, hit that lead, hits that leadoff home run. But then that magic, I think... Uh, Got a little bit uh, taken away when you have a Charlie Morton uh, break his fibula mm-hmm. and uh, have to exit and miss the rest of the World Series. Well, and it, it, once Solaire hit that home run, JP, I immediately am, am thinking about what you said yesterday during the show uh, about teams that score first with the Astros and Braves in the postseason and, and what that means uh, for these teams. Obviously, it went very well for the Braves in that one. 
Charlie Morton gets off to a good start. First thing you said when you walked in studio was, not good. Not good for the Braves. My first reaction was, well, I guess they got to sweep the Astros now. That's the only solution without Morton. Um, how big of a loss is this now to not have another Charlie Morton start based on his track record in the playoffs? It's huge. Uh, I think really today, and it's, and it's hard to say game two, I think, can decide this World Series. But in a sense, I think it does because you start to think about now you really have only one bona fide starter in Max Fried. Yeah, Ian Anderson's, he can go out there and spin you a game. But if, if you'd rather come down to it, who are you going to throw? Do you want Charlie Morton on the mound or Ian Anderson? And then you start to think, okay, well, now that means an extra bullpen day. So you just had a long bullpen day with having to pick up six innings uh, after Charlie Morton came out. You're going to have to have that bullpen be used again. So by doing that, are you going to be able to sustain the Houston Astros who they will have their starters in line? They have all their, they didn't use any other bullpen guys yesterday. So I think if the Astros win tonight, they kind of take the advantage. So I asked the question yesterday about Luke Jackson and what do you do if you're Brian Snitker with the problems he had against the Dodgers? You said go right back to him. Braves go right back to him. He had a good outing. How big is that for Luke Jackson mentally? Huge. I mean, it's funny because now I'm watching the game thinking about what we were speaking about, right? <laughs> and start to, you know, Luke Jackson goes back out there. And that's what you have to do. That's why Snit is such a great manager and Brian Snitker is he understands. And then that's what I talk about experience. You need to get a Luke Jackson back out there. Everybody saw how affected he was when he struggled and he came out of that game. All of a sudden you go out there, you throw him out there. He has the outing that he has. Now that sets you back up to be in the driver's seat when it comes to the bullpen and feeling like, okay, maybe I can take the starter out in the fifth and hand the ball over because I know I have a little bit more faith in Luke Jackson as opposed to do we go to the bullpen in the fifth or have to try to wait it out a little bit because we want either A.J. Minter or Tyler Matzik to stretch out a little bit more. What is the pressure like of being down 0-1? What are they? What are they feeling today in in Houston? Well, I, I mean, the, the Astros have been there before, so I don't think that there's as, as much pressure about being down 0-1. With understanding, those guys smell blood in that clubhouse, right? You start to think about it. Charlie Morton goes down. This is the best hitting team in Major League Baseball versus left-handed pitching. So now you're talking about Max Fried, who might have to go out again mm. on short rest. So these guys start to lick their chops a little bit because they're thinking, wait a second. No Charlie Morton. Now we have Max Freed a couple times, and they're going to have to go to that bullpen. They get this game. That's why I think if they win tonight, the odds flip. Well, on the flip side, you got Arkady, the 26-year-old for the Astros. Terrible outing in his last outing against the Red Sox. What are the Braves seeing tonight in this pitching matchup? Well, one, a guy who hasn't been on the mound in nine days. Right, you, you talk about the last time he's been out on the mound against Boston. He struggled, and then now you have a nine day gap. So in baseball, in any sport, really, you think about it, creatures of habit, right? Routine. And now he's out of his routine, coming off of a rough start. I think the Braves are in position to score some runs today. But this team, if you would have thought Luis Garcia after his outing, and then he went out there and absolutely, I mean, he's six innings, no hit baseball, his second uh, start against the Boston Red Sox. Jose Orquidi has the opportunity to go out there and spin that kind of game. So we'll see. I think the first inning will tell you. I talked about it yesterday, too, about early. The first inning will tell you, is he Jose Orquidi that they're going to have to be worried about and sharp, or is it the nine-day in-between starts, and now you guys can get a hold of him early in this game? No, the, no. They're, in those nine days, they've had time off between series. But what does a guy do for his routine 
in a longer wait between starts like uh, and what's so you're a catcher what are you doing and what does the coaching staff have a guy do to try to maintain some semblance of normalcy but also to have his arm in the peak spot they want it to be on, on the day he starts. Well, you have to do a simulated game. And, and that's those are things that you do. You have Which a, day do you throw well, it on? Well, it just depends. The reason why you, you – that's the crazy part of the playoffs is you can't really plan it out, right? Because I guarantee you that they're making decisions up to the day of the World Series, even during that day, because you, you don't really have to put your rosters in until a certain time before. So that conversation is going on. So you might be, hey, do we have him throw a bullpen? Do we not? There's, there's times where after a game, they might have a bullpen thrown because they didn't expect the game. You have to wait, right? What happens if I have to use a, a pitcher in the second inning because of an injury? And now all of a sudden I'm bringing somebody into this game that I wasn't expected to bring in and I had to change his routine. So that's the crazy part about the playoffs is if they knew the schedule though, you would throw usually a simulated game on your fifth day to try to stay on that five-day rotation. But at the end of the day, you're not going to have the adrenaline of a World Series game or a playoff game with crowd and the fans. So you can't really simulate it. You can really just try to get balls thrown to keep your arm in shape. I know a bullpen varies guy to guy, workload, all of that. What's, what's the range of a, of a regular bullpen session for a guy between starts? How much they want him to open it up? What percentage of, of a regular game do they want him to throw? I mean, you would throw 30 to 40 pitches, but it's touch and feel, right? You're, you're, you're trying to work on, depending on what you're working on and depending on the lineup, right? You, you see how against a, a Correa, they throw up and in on Correa. That's his hole. So you, if you're going to go against the Houston Astros, you might work on that four seam up and in to right-handed pitching. To so get ready for him. Yeah, so you're, you're constantly, you, you have a routine of maybe I'm going to throw... 10 fastballs, 10 sliders, 10 curveballs, and 10 changeups. But how do I approach it? And then usually in a bullpen, you'll do the last few you know, pitches. You'll, you'll simulate, okay, hey, Jose Altuve, or hey, Jordan Alvarez, or hey, you know, Dansby Swanson. And you, and you go through a sequence of what you would use in the game. So I know that some in the Braves organization claiming that Charlie Morton didn't really break his leg until the pitch where he was hurt 16 pitches later. That it may have started the process with a line drive, but then it was the wear and tear after that that officially broke his leg. I think he pitched 16 pitches on a broken leg. What's the most likely scenario to you? Travis Darno says he thinks he was giving his bullpen time to warm up. That he knew he was hurt, but adrenaline was carrying him, and he could keep going, and he's looking over the bullpen the whole time, waiting until A.J. Minter's ready. What do you think happened? It's happened to me before, right? So you get hit. And the adrenaline keeps you going. And I broke my hand during a game against the, uh, the Oakland A's, and there was one out in this game. And I got hit, and I'm looking over the dugout, like trying to say, hey, get somebody and ready. This is a foul tip. And this is catching. a foul tip when I'm catching. It was on my throwing hand, so it was a little bit different. But I imagine he got hit, and he knew something's up. Because you know right away, when you get hit, there's a different feeling. And all of a sudden, you're pushing off. As that adrenaline starts to wear, now you start to realize – we got an issue. And I imagine, you know, he's trying to push through it. Mentally, he's probably thinking, hey, uh, you know, I can, I want to see how far I can go. And I imagine what happened is it started off as a little, let's say, stress fracture. And then all of a sudden you start pushing the, the amount of force that you're using. That pitch is when it was like, all right, I can't, I can't do this anymore. But I will tip my hat to, I mean, you're pushing off with that foot. That's a lot 
uh, going into that that throw, that pitch, the, the, the windup, everything that you do. So, I mean, it's crazy to think that he was able to still do it with a broken, you know, foot. And to face three hitters. I mean, that that's the other part, too. It's not like the he was facing one bat, you know, one or two batters where they're just foul tipping and staying in the at-bat. Well, and, and you're in the, I mean, you're in the game, so you're still thinking. Great. When I when I broke my hand, like, literally I was thinking, okay, there's men on base. Like, my hand is broke. I know my hand is broke, but there's men on base. There's guys on first and third. I'm giving signs. Yeah, the guy on the mound with the slow delivery like we were talking about? No, no. Thank God I didn't, but... <laughs> But if they try to steal, I'm thinking in my head, if I throw, I have to do something to pretend like I'm okay. So I'm out there going out there, giving signs like normal, getting behind the plate, thinking they, please God, don't let them run. Because my hand, literally the umpire's like, hey, dude, your hand's completely purple. I'm like, yeah, it's broke. I'll see you in six months, like six weeks, because it's done. But you try to keep on playing. I was, tr- I was throwing the ball with my pinky, like trying to get it back so that no one would kind of tell. Um, but I mean, you know that there's something going on and it's, and the, what's going on within the your mind is crazy. How, how weird is that park? Have you have you had a chance to play there in in Houston? Oh yeah, so what, it's, it's, it, it's I'm crazy. watching it and the ground rules, you know, the review and the home run, but like the nooks and crannies and the look of it, it's it's one of these places. I know it's a nice place. I don't like looking at those places on television. Yeah, when I'm watching a baseball game, it does not look right. Well, the Crawford boxes. I mean, those are that's a you can throw a ball in there, right? So that's that's a big part of of Houston. And I mean, it it works both ways, right? You're talking three fifteen down the line with with not a high wall, so you can flip a ball in there easy. But then it jets out, which that's weird. How it jets out in the left center field. You start talking about dimensions. It is a very weird ballpark. As a player, I actually enjoy it. It's almost like target golf, but it's it's <laughs> it, it really is. I play top golf in the world well, series, I, but you know what? I used to I used I hated it more because I hit a ball that should have been a home run, would have been a home run there now. But remember, the fence in center field used to be four thirty six with a flagpole in the yes. middle of of right in the warning track, and so I had a ball caught in that warning track. But it's it's kind of crazy the way that that park. And if you hit a home run. They shoot off the cannons in the train, and I swear to you, it is the loudest. Uh, you can know you know that it's coming, and you feel like You're we're still under rattled. yeah we're under attack. Like, <laughs> uh. Uh, so Altuve is hitless, Correa, Bregman hitless. Tell me, how are they? What's the best way to pitch those guys? Are they are they having success based on the style and the mannerisms of Morton and the, the bullpen, or is this just an off? There's no way that this happens again based on the success of this lineup? Well, I don't, I don't think you keep this lineup down. I mean, baseball's a tough game, right? You, you, you start to think about the cat and mouse game. That's the fun part about being a catcher and game planning. And you talk about how do you pitch those guys. Well, you pitch them until they make an adjustment, right? Yesterday, they don't get any hits. How did we get them out? So we will attack them the same, but you have to also think, I have a right-handed pitcher today, or a, a right-handed pitcher yesterday. I have a left-handed pitcher today. So how did I use Minter versus these guys? How did I use a, a, a Matzik? But now you have to know what Freed has, which is a little bit different. Freed is a fastball, slider, curveball change. And then what is he going to have during that game? So as a catcher, you make a plan of, okay, let's approach it this way. But in the bullpen, there might be two pitches that are working. As soon as the game starts, you might not have any of them. So you have to figure out how to go back and forth. But, man, it's crazy. The, the constant thing is up and in, down and away. And, you'll, and it's watch tonight's game. You'll see them throw the fastball up. And they're going to try to get the guys out, down, and away. That's literally how the game is played. It's 
executing it and do I double up in to make sure that it's I don't get into patterns or do I throw the ball in and then go right back down and away? Because also remember, down the left field line, you got a short port. So, yeah. you, so you start to think, if I get beat, I'm going to get beat the other way. So you also call a game depending on what stadium you're in. So there's, there's, that's why as a catcher, they always say catchers, managers, because you've got to put all these different things into play. I'm intrigued by game two based on what JP has told us about Charlie Morton and the loss and what it impacts moving forward for Atlanta and the impact of game two, if they can get one more in Houston, the fact that Atlanta can win the series or Houston turns things around with one win going back to Atlanta for three straight. Last night's game, four hours and six minutes. Now, if you are, if you're a Braves fan, you're not turning, you're not turning away. No, you that, win every minute. A championship game normal in any league is going to be extremely long. Uh, and some of this was uh, Atlanta came out hot in those, the top of the first, second, and third, and it extended the, the, the middle of that game. Was, man, it was a drag. Is there, is there a perfect solution to speed games up in your mind? They've tried little things, and, and part of the appeal of baseball is, you know, the no pitch by pitch, and there's the no The commercials clock. are also longer. Well, that's, when they get to the World well, Series, again, part of you know, the NBA finals yeah. are long. The Super Bowl is long. I get it. But for a game that, you know, First pitch was scheduled for 7.09, and it's past 11.15 here when it goes off. You're thinking, man, that, that took a while. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because I, I even was sitting there watching the game thinking, it is pretty late. Like This is dragging on. And can you speed up the game? Really, if you think about it, a lot of times in between innings, we're, we ended up waiting for the game to start because of commercials. And yeah. if you start to think about what pays the bills – TV, 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 right? A lot of revenue on TV. So are there different things that you can do? Yeah, but is it going to speed it up that much? I mean, we've talked about, oh, you, you can't get out of the box. Well, I mean, when you, when you, the games are still long. So did it or did it not speed it up as much as they thought it would? The, the pitch clock. In the big leagues, you're not going to get the pitch clock. They will never – I don't think the major leagues, the, the players association will ever agree to, hey, we're going to have – 20 seconds with, you know, every pitch, I has to have it in 20 seconds. That's kind of a, a thing that's taboo. It's like, no, yeah. I, I'm making $30 million. I'm going to do what my routine is to make me my best pitcher. And if it's 27 seconds, you're not going to add a ball to my strike, to, to my count. So, um, I mean, it, they've already sped up guys coming in from the bullpen. I, I just think that baseball is a game that is the, the game within the game. And if you don't know what's going on, it's boring. How do you like my idea? The, the, I think this will speed up the game. Eliminate Velcro. Guys, I play with their glove between every <laughs> damn pitch. It's like a Seinfeld episode. Unstrap the Velcro and re-strap the so then, so then Illegalize should, Velcro. So they let, should they get rid of cups as well because guys are always adjusting <laughs> they the They would cups? adjust something. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but the Velcro <laughs> is the first thing they go to. No Velcro. And I don't. I'm not trying to overreact to one game in the World Series. Well, they're all very oh, it's long. A problem. But they're yeah, all yeah. long. Yeah. And and uh, last night, I mean, they even started the game past the time when they said they were going to. Like yeah, that never I, happens. I don't anywhere. know, JP. You you work in Miami, so you're dealing with this a lot. I don't know how people on the East Coast stay up and watch sports. I'm watching the Braves Saturday night. It's a Saturday night. Granted, it's 12:37 a.m. in Atlanta when that game ends. I mean, that's an 8:09 start. That is. Way past midnight. A lot of times, the Chad, Series. they don't. I mean, you wake up and find out what well, happened. Well, think about why, why is Mike Trout? Why do you think Mike Trout is one of those guys that is, is the best player in the game and he's not as spoken or maybe not as, as popular uh, as, he, as he should be? Because 
most of the country is missing him play every single day. And this is one of the best players in baseball. So, you know, that's that's part of the struggle, but you're not going to start at, at four o'clock every day uh, in yeah. the West Coast. So it is what it is. But I mean, when it comes down to the game, there's little things that you can do to speed it up. It, it's just one of those things where I, the three pit, three batter minimum has already kind of done that. I, I think that the, the roster being you know brought down, but there was a two one game this year, Marlins against the Dodgers, two to one, and you'd think, all right, it'd be a quick game. It was over four hours, <laughs> and you're sitting there. I'm like, what is going on? Like four hours for a two just to a one game? Just a lot of foul game? balls. A lot of yeah, I mean, just yeah, just long innings, and they don't score a run, and you back and forth, and you sit there, you go, there has to be something. I I. I've always said I wish there was live betting. I wish there was like at the stadium, like, hey, let's let's it's gonna be have more have that's the way you have to be able to keep entertained. I mean, how long is this inning gonna go? Under over fifteen yeah, minutes, exactly you bet on time. Um, I don't know how long you want to stick around. Can you stick around for one more yeah. segment? Because I, I speaking of live betting, I want to go on Fanduel when we come back and give you some odds on World Series MVP. Uh, length of the series and whatever you say is what we're going to bet all right okay like jp and sibia in studio with us outkick 360 rolls on atlanta with a 1-0 series lead over houston game two tonight against the astros braves country here i mean it everybody that was on social media last night tweeting about the atlanta braves we discussed the ticket prices to get into game three, which is crazy. Uh, worst seat at the stadium is going for over $1,000. Wow. Standing room I, only. Standing room only. How about that? The battery's probably... Uh, oh. You think the battery's jumping? It's going to be alive. Chad, it's going to be alive. Uh, they're going to have to open at 8 a.m. Uh, <laughs> uh, when is it? The game three there is Saturday? Yes. Yeah. Friday. Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday. Friday. Saturday. So Friday, 8 a.m., the battery. And it's a weekend, up. yeah. You, you might be able to get to the battery and uh, get somebody drunk enough and say you got a ticket and try to buy it off of them. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't mind just being in the battery. Even though I couldn't <laughs> get in the game, just kind of yeah. hanging out and seeing what happens. They could you know, maybe someone's going to scalp tickets around there. Who knows? Uh, so maybe we can make a little cash with FanDuel Let's do this. And, um, and buy a ticket. Who knows? So last night, Chad, right after Solaire hit the walk-off, or not the walk-off, the lead-off walk homer, walk-on <laughs> homer, um, his odds for MVP were plus seventeen hundred. You bet a dollar to win seventeen dollars with FanDuel. I jumped on that immediately Terrific because um, he's the first to do it, and he's down to a thousand now. And now you've got a chance to for for him if they win the series. I think that's the key. If, if Atlanta wins the series, he's in contention just based on the hot start. There are a couple of others, uh, but what are you seeing as you pull this up? So JP, help me out here, okay? Uh, here are the odds right now: MLB World Series MVP according to FanDuel, Adam Duvall. The favorite at plus 750. Eddie Rosario, obvious reasons with his postseason so far, plus 900. First Astro on the list, Michael Brantley, plus 950. Jorge Soler, plus 1,000. Austin Riley, plus 1,100. Freddie Freeman, plus 1,100. I really like Kyle Tucker for the Astros at plus 1,100. That's better value for me if I'm going to pick an Astro. Ozzy Albies, plus 1,400. Tonight's starter, Max Freed, plus 1,500. Which way are you going? I like Riley. I, I will throw that out there. I just he's been huge for them. Same hits. odds as Tucker, who I like for the Astros. So, so I, I I like Riley at plus eleven hundred. You can bet five to win fifty five. I mean that's that's good value. Yeah, really. After good. game one, so okay, we're gonna follow you there with Riley. Um, series total games. Um, 
going through the details here. Okay, so uh, series suite plus six fifty. So you bet a dollar to win six dollars and fifty cents. Um, that's the least uh, that Vegas thinks uh, of these odds here. Um, you get more money there if it's a sweep. Five games um, plus two sixty. Six games is the leader in the clubhouse at plus 195, and seven games, a seven-game series, plus 200. How would you bet that, J.P. Aaron Sibia? I'm going seven. They're going to finish it in Truist Park. And, or, or, yeah, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. This is just total games. Okay, we didn't get to the winner. made, yeah. Uh, seven games, plus 200. Now, you can actually go deeper than that and yeah, pick the actual series, Paul, and who wins the series. So well, you, you could pick, if, if you think the Braves are winning in seven games... That is plus, plus 550. 550. That's, that's, I think, I've said from the gate, Braves in seven. Obviously, you asked, me, you asked me about it, and you said, hey, what do you think after yesterday's win? Yeah. But, but I'm, sticking, I'm sticking with it. I'm going We're, we're basing seven. these odds off of that. It's plus yeah. 550. Uh, if the Braves win in seven games, what an epic series for Braves fans who have been waiting since 95 for that parade. And Chad will be excited. Oh, I'm going to have my own parade here. JP, you're invited. Uh, Paul, you're invited. Chad, what if, uh, what if we're we going to have that a here. sixth and Peabody parade? <laughs> yeah, we could, we could have Chad parade around. We could have Ellie drive the car. We could broadcast live outside, and, and Chad goes around with all the bachelorettes <laughs> on, uh, you know, he goes on tour. I think Nashville. we finish in Mount Juliet at your home. Are the window treatments g- good? Going to be a lot. Oh, of, I've seen the glory. Going to be a lot of cultural appropriation <laughs> for this guy who's uh, half of 1% Cherokee uh, with Braves Tomahawk Chops going around 6th and Peabody. I'm going to call it the Parade of Moonshine here at 6th and Peabody. We're going to be doing shots. We're going to march around doing the Tomahawk Chop. It's going to be great. We'll get some Braves color. Moonshine. I doubt that uh, yes. JP's employer with the Marlins would love that too. But he, he may not be able to be here. But <laughs> no, I'm coming. Oh, good. No, yeah, no, no. I'm, I mean, listen, it's okay. You won't they partake don't... in that, but you can partake the in the wear a Yankee hat. He'll wear a Marlins hat. We'll be fine. Yeah, you we're chant good. NL East. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's, that's it. I am curious, JP. So JP, uh, on the commentary for uh, the Marlins broadcast uh, during the regular season uh, and postseason for that matter, if, if they were there. And that's a shot, just how it goes. But in the postseason... As the Braves made the World Series, you did tweet out that you were on the Braves train. What's the reaction from Marlins fans or just anti-Braves fans in the division when you tweet that? Well, they're not happy about it. Obviously, they give me some, some junk. But at the end of the day, here's, here's my reasoning for that. Alex Antopoulos is the general manager who called me up to the major leagues. George Poulos, the trainer for the Atlanta Braves, was my trainer with the Toronto Blue Jays. That's awesome. Their assistant trainer, Mike Frostad, is the trainer with the Atlanta Braves. And how about this? My hitting coach, when I was like 12 years old that I used to take lessons from, is the assistant hitting coach, Castro, Nachi Castro, for the Atlanta Braves. So when you were That's 12, awesome. you, you received hitting instruction from the hitting instructor for the Braves now? He, well, he was, a, he was already in the pros. Okay. He was a guy who was in the pros, but in the offseason, I would hit with him since I was a kid. And he is the. See, I was thinking, what a career trajectory. Started out in Little League. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Works his way up. No, and Sal Fasano was a, a catching yeah. coach. But what Alex Antopoulos did is pretty much bring everybody from Toronto to Atlanta. And uh, he's done pretty good. We didn't do as good. <laughs> we didn't, but that's so why you're I'm really for rooting him. for the Blue Jays. Oh, you're watching the Blue Jays in Atlanta. Yeah. It's Toronto South. Pretty much. <laughs> I've always heard that Atlanta is known as the Toronto of the southeastern United States. Oh, is that, it's nowhere near. Like, it's oh, nowhere, you played there. You can tell it's us. It's nowhere near as nice also. as Toronto. Don't fool yourself. <laughs> oh, by the, I should point this out. 
He's uh, JP is taking the Braves in seven. That's that's his best bet with FanDuel. He also said earlier in the show that he believes whoever wins tonight is winning the series. So that is JP and Sibia telling you the Braves win tonight. They win in seven, even though they have a 2-0 series lead. What a series that's going to end to up be being. be a real turnabout for the Braves in the World <laughs> Series because they like to blow 2 nothing lead. Chad, your thoughts? I placed two bets. One, I, first off, I did everything JP oh. instructed. And I then, did that. I took Braves in seven. Very smart. No, no. And then I said, uh, in the full games bet, I put four. Because <laughs> the odds, I was like, you know. I three, mean, why not? Throw only, it out there. It's only three straight wins. Three I, more yeah, wins in a row, and that's four. A sweep in Major League Baseball, well even play a three-game sweep. Will you be here for the parade when Chad wins the series? One, 100%. Right. I'll, right. be, I'll drive. If you want me, Chad, to drive, well, sober I will. Driver. Oh, will sober driver. Sober driver. He needs car. one yeah. of those. Get your war paint ready. We're going to piss <laughs> a lot of people off in that parade. Hey, stick with us. The Tennessee Power Hour is next on OutKick 360. Thanks to JP for being here in studio with us.